Hello and welcome to the Christina Talks podcast. I am delighted to be bringing today's guest in. Now, I have to say, this is the second time we've recorded this. One of the worst things you can do as a podcast host is get everything set up, be really excited about the guest, so excited, in fact, that you want to make sure everything's so perfect and then you've like you've you've done your planning, everything's good to go, you've recorded it, you've had the best conversation, and then you realize you didn't actually hit the record button. So this is one, this is like the biggest lesson I can teach you as a podcast host is always double, triple, quadruple check you've hit that record button. The thing is, in every frustration, and I was so frustrated when I realized we hadn't recorded this interview. With every frustration, there is always a lesson. You've had the lesson, there's always a positive, and that's I get to spend another conversation with the amazing, amazing Sherry Teagman. Hello, welcome to the Christina Talks podcast again. Hello, thank you for having me <laughs> again. So I've just done like a little pre-bit and I've explained this is this is second time round. So I just want to confirm the recording is on. We are all the good. I've, I see recording. We're on. Making that error again, I tell you. Oh my God. How are you doing? I am good. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. Very excited, as always, as always. Um, so, Shari, I've known you for a while. I know what you do. I know. Um, I was trying to think of the, like, what? I'm glad someone knows what I do. Some <laughs> days I don't know. what we're, we're recording this on a Friday. I don't know what I do today. <laughs> I was like, how would I describe her? I'm like, Shari's a pocket rocket. She abs- an absolute pocket rocket. But just to bring a bit of context, tell, the, tell I say, the world. The world. Yeah. Tell all of the peoples. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them who you are and what you do. What do you stand for? I am. I am Sherry, the Sherry Teagman. There is only one of me. Imagine if there was more of me. God help this world. Uh, I am a performance coach and a creative strategist. So I help what I say is. I help the non-average Joes and Janes, because I don't think anyone's average, unleash their maverick in their life and business. So the side of them that is the unique, out-of-the-box individual, you don't have to be rebellious, you don't have to be the loudest, but creating a life and business that is uniquely yours to impact the world in the way only you can. Amazing. And this word maverick, because it, it's it's not an everyday word. It's not something that loads of people are using. It, it's kind of... It's, Yet. Um, I'm on a mission. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> when I think of the word maverick, I think of you. You know, like when you've got that, that was the goal. And you, you, you connect. <laughs> yes. So what, what, you know, what's, what's, What's the story? Well, like, why Maverick of all the words? There's always a story. So I started my business crazily nine and a half years ago. And um, this was after a tumultuous divorce. I was a single mom of two young kids. I'd gone through my own transformation, did a year long coach training, uh, as well as a year long yoga teacher training. And I just kind of unearthed myself, was ready to unleash myself on the world and help people not feel lost and misunderstood. And I hang my shingle out for my business and nothing happened because I sounded like every other life coach. My website looked like every other life coaches. I was little and I looked like the top of a cake. It was like these snow fairy, perfect little photo shoot pictures and all of my copy said alignment and authenticity. And there was absolutely none of me in it, but I didn't know any better because that's what I was taught. And that's what I thought would work. And I realized I had spent so many years fitting in, in a life and marriage that didn't work for me. And then I created a business and did the same thing to myself unknowingly. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. My way. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. 
few because this is going to be challenging if I can't, <laughs> if you know me at all. Um, and I said, fuck this. I'm either doing it my way or I'm not doing it because I was so tired of living by everyone else's rules. And it wasn't even working anyway. So I had no clients. I took an objective look at my website. And I'm like, who the hell would hire her? She looks perfect. Like who's going to show their stuff to her? I stripped it all back. And that's when the Maverick came. So I'm a big believer in using archetypes in our business, using archetypes in our life. Like during my rough divorce, I embodied without even realizing what this was, the wild woman. I went on Pinterest. I made a board of like this woman who runs with wolves, war paints on her. I got myself like a bracelet that looked like a feather. I had playlists that I would listen to before I would go to court. So I was already used to embodying other parts of me. And I'm like, oh, I could do this for my business. So I sat down and really thought about, I wouldn't even say who I wanted to be because that didn't work. Who am I? And that's when the Maverick was born. So that was probably about seven years ago. And then when I started embracing it, I wrote my copy like I sound. I got a ridiculous photo shoot. And it's not because a photo shoot matters in that way, but it helped me remember who I was because I was being so fully me. So it works both ways. You can get lost in this branding stuff and you can also be found in it. And my messaging changed to how to unleash yourself is like lots of people strap strategies work for lots of people. And I'm not like that. So most people's strategies don't work for me. And I said, there's a lot of more people like me in all of these circles, looking for something different, trying everyone else's hacks and something's got to give. And I know I'm not the only one. So I set out on a mission to find other people who also wanted to be unleashed and they don't have to be anything like me in order to get that, you know, magic. But it takes some balls, take some free- I love a bit of balls. That's important. You know, yes. it to really step into who you are. We yeah. all know deep inside. Like we, we, we get last weekend, I had a bit of a, um, uh, uh, how would I describe it? I've freaking lost control. I lost my temper. I like people that know me. I don't do angry. Like Christina, yeah. I was with my PT last week and he's like, he's like, do you ever get angry? He's like, you know, put, putting all this weight on me. And he's like, like, seriously, at some point, this woman's got to. When's she, she going like, to kick me? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I don't do that. And it was Sunday, like, the, the, you know, we talk about unleashing, like this animal came out for a few minutes, right? Yeah. It's like full on banshee. But most of the time, and, and I don't think this would just be me. I think that a lot of us, we, the filters kick in and we hold back. Yeah. So it takes balls to step into even if you have been through the pain of figuring out who you are, and we'll, we'll come back to that, it takes balls to actually embrace it, embody it, enact it. So, I mean, you're working with people all the time to help them do yeah. that. So what, what's the what's the magic? So it's a lot more unsexy. You're 100% right. And it's a nice fluffy thing to slap on a sales page. And we see it a lot is, you know, be more you and don't be afraid of the world. Like great words, but how the hell do I do that? I'm just trying to get through a Monday morning, like nice for you, but you don't know what I have with the laundry list of what we each have. So I think it's a lot unsexier and less dramatic than we wish it would be because we all wish it came with like movie soundtrack and the world stops and a highlight comes on and we unfurl ourselves and drop all the crap in the world. It doesn't work like that. What it really comes down to is these silent inner revolutions where we just can't be anyone else but ourselves. And that comes from expectations of others or trying everyone else's templates and hacks and it's not working. And it becomes if I'm already battling, am I going to battle and have balls to survive? 
or am I going to battle and have balls to thrive? And I know that sounds very trite, but it, again, it's this quiet knowing of like, I, I'm just tired of doing things everyone else's way and not getting where I want. At least let me try to see what it feels like to be fully me. And yes, for everyone, it may not be first on the front end of their business. People come to me for business work and you know this, we've worked together. We know a lot of the same people. If I sat and told you what my range of my clients, you know, and I speak to seven, eight people a day, like we're not, we're talking a big cross section of, you know, these industries that I am blessed to be able to work with. Very rarely are our whole chats about work. Sometimes none of the chat is about work when it's a quote unquote business call. So we battle these parts of ourselves when we have this image of a business we want to grow, this image of the hope we want to bring to the world and the change we can bring for our clients, and then what we feel like from the inside. And it gets to a point where we have to make a choice to marry them, to bring them together. They don't have to be the same persona. They don't have to reflect exactly one to the other. But if we don't reconcile within ourselves who we are, this is why so many entrepreneurs suffer with imposter syndrome, feeling like a fraud, not playing big, being scared of visibility. It has nothing to do with what everyone thinks it has to do with. It's an internal battle of who am I pretending to be and how often can I pretend that? I can do it once in a while. I can't keep this up. And then how do I fit in my family? How do I fit in my life, in my relationships with my children? It gets confusing and we stop doing it when we can't do it anymore. I think this is the thing. We're we're so busy modeling other people. Yes. You know, whether it is the the the, the Malcolm X's or that, you know, these massive inspirational figures we don't spend the time going actually, you know, how does, how does Christina model Christina? Yeah. And we, because we don't want to Christina, because all the stuff we've ever had comes up when we are entrepreneurs, it is the biggest container for healing when we have to face, Oh, I got asked to speak on stage. How exciting. And then you hear your grade three teacher tell in your brain, you can't speak. You're terrible at public speaking. There's a blinking cursor on a sales page to share your wisdom with the world. And you forget I'm dyslexic. I can't write. I have this. No one, everyone told me this. We don't open these doors until we have to. And then all of a sudden there's a lot of wind blowing through the room of, I don't even know who Christina is in order to be a different Christina. So I'm not looking there. Let me see who else I can be. Cause I'm really good at marching in line. I'm really good at following rules, even if I whinge about it. So there's no one who doesn't try that. No one comes out fully as themselves. I'm one of probably the most bold, loud myself people, many people know. And I have no idea who I was. I don't know what that meant. I just know who I wasn't. That's how I got here. Do you, do you have those moments where those voices still come through? Are you, are you fixed? Like, you know, I am so far from fixed, which I think is actually one of my unique selling points. I am so open and vulnerable and messy. And I share, I don't share everything. I share a lot. Um, I am beyond not fixed to the point where I joke with clients. I wish I wasn't me many times because it's like having a sportscaster on my shoulder who narrates everything I'm doing with why I'm doing it and the psychological reasons. And what are the five ways that I can change that? And if this were my client, this is what I would tell them. It doesn't mean I behave any differently on some days. So it's almost worse. I know too much and yet I'm still extremely human. And it's very tiring sometimes, but I wouldn't give it back because I like the relevancy of remembering exactly what my clients feel like on a day-to-day -day basis. I'll stand in a room before I get on stage in front of 600 people thinking, 
what the hell am I doing? Like, who got me up here? Who just gave me a microphone? Why does anyone think I can do this? I shake it off. I get up. I do my thing. I get off and go, ooh, that was fun. I want to do it again. You know, there's just this rebirth over and over and over again to face who you think you are, to face who you've been, to decide who you want to be on a continuum. The self-coaching point's really um, interesting because I think when you're in this world of you, you understand how the mind works, the the human psychology, the you know the, the the childhood traumas, all that kind of stuff, and you you catch yourself in a moment of high stress, knowing you've done all this work on yourself, and and then that little voice comes in that with the generalization, and it's like, yes. um, you know, you your your everything everything you touch breaks. Everything's everything and always and never and everyone and nobody. I'm like, oh, I know this story. How much do I want to believe it? Sometimes a lot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm rolling my sleeves up and digging right in there. And it is, it's this, okay, hold on a minute. Why did that kick in? What am I trying to keep myself safe from right now? What's the thing that I need to do that I don't want to do that is making that dialogue pop up? And it's a, you know, what is it that, I'm wanting to stay small about that. I just need to bust through. Correct. And it's, it's a real, I find it really difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in terms of sort of learning coaching strategies and understanding all of this stuff. I'm like a, a year, a year into well, a bit more yes. than a year into this learning. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm early on in terms of that self-leadership. So I yes. get into those situations and I just find myself in a spin like literally having this conversation with myself back and forth, back and forth and getting nowhere. I'm almost 10 years in and I still do it. So here's the thing. There's the knowing and then there's the habit. So we have a habitual way to keep ourselves safe. We know we're wired for safety. We're not wired for creativity and growth and expansion. We are primal animals who don't want to get eaten by a tiger, period, the end. I don't care how cute you are, how tall you are, how old or young you are. That's what we are wired for. So we are battling if we choose for it to be a battle or expanding into learning how to think differently and then facing our primal habitual self who is used to doing this road. I don't know. I'm sure you had them in the UK. I'm older than you. So you may not have had these. We had these swizzly straws. Sometimes it said your name or sometimes it just had like a design. And there's this delicious drink. Your chocolate milk when you were little was in front of you. You put your fancy straw in and you sit across from a friend and you have a race or you watch the chocolate milk come through the straw. This growth is like that straw. So instead of seeing it like this sinister thing we can't get through, look at the journey in which the chocolate milk, our freedom has to come through, our presence, our self has to come through in order for us to allow ourselves to nourish ourselves. We have to go through this habitual swirly drink pattern where instead what you learn to do is you are allowed to pick the straw up, put it down on the side, pick up the damn cup of milk and drink it. So it's how long do we want it to take for us to allow ourselves to transform is where the bridge builds between our new self and our habitual self. So what do I need to run this story? Do I need to run this habit? Do I have to freak myself out before a launch? Do I have to scare myself in hard conversations? Or am I just used to doing that? So when I get there, I feel prepped and nourished. Many times it's all we know. So we do it because it's what we know, not even because we need it anymore. And that's when when we're ready for change. And then the, the next growth piece is 
Well, it's embarrassing to just put it down, Christina, because I've been doing it for 49 years. So if it's that easy to change, what does my past life mean to me? Like, what's all that shit I've been through then? And that's a lot of times why we hold on to those stories and that self-pattern because we're number one, really good at it. And number two, it means a lot to us. So how do we undo the meaning that it has for us in order to make it an easier change to say, I actually don't need this anymore and I'm okay putting it down and I don't have to fill that void with other crap because it means that it was valued. It can be valued and we can let it go. What's harder, making the change or deciding to make the change? Making the change. We make decisions all day long. We can all line up the pile of books we have on our nightstands. They're all the exact. If we actually all did what we have in those books, we wouldn't have podcasts like this. We wouldn't need any help. We'd all be making all the money we want, have great relationships, have the perfect bodies, be free as birds. The information's out there. The issue is we know so much and we do so little. So we don't mean to do that. But the way the brain's wired is if I learn something, I think I've integrated it and I think I do it every day. I don't do three quarters of the things that I know work and I need. And I think that I do. I have to stop myself and almost make a calendar with a big red mark. Did you do it today? Do what today? My brain will forget what I think I did because I knew it already. Well, I know that. I don't need to learn that. This isn't a learning thing. Well, this is it. And we keep learning and learning and learning and learning. learning. So that thing that we learned back there that worked, we've now like forgotten about. It's like a distant memory because we've like filled our heads with all this new stuff. I was talking to someone the other day and it was, you know, they were, they were like, oh, it's something wrong with me. I'm broken. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've learned all this stuff. So I know I should be doing better. I was like, okay, but what are you actually doing with all this stuff you're learning? And that's, and the room goes silent. And also remember the environment in which we learn in is not the environment in which we do in. So we learn, let's say you go to a beautiful hotel with a great car park. You've got a great spot. You've got your water bottle and they have good coffee in the back of the room. You sit down with your fresh new notebook. You crack open the binder. You start taking notes. Have no idea where that notebook goes after the workshop. You learn in a state of openness. You do in a state of panic or go mode or excitement or adrenaline and dopamine rush. We don't use the same parts of ourselves. Like in the moment when you're in a hard conversation, you're in conflict, you don't have the emotional time to be like, wait a second, there's the fourth journal on my bookshelf on page 63. That is the exact answer for what I need right now. No, we use our primal brain, freak out. And then later in the car go, ah, shit, I knew there was a different way to do this. And I didn't have it accessed in my front burner folder in my brain to use it right in the moment when I got challenged. That's not where we use what we learn. We use what we do on repeat. I want to talk to you about leadership. Okay. Okay. So the I'm going to give you context and then we're going to discuss it rather than it being a direct question. So we are similar Quite fiery, feisty, full of energy. Like we love green. Yeah, you know, it's it's um it's a we have presence. Yes, we are um we are feminine and live with live with a lot of masculine. Yes, we are. We love story, but we're not like sucked in. Like, give me every detail of your story. Like, we know when to do story and when to say, like, no, let go of that bullshit now. Yes. I was presenting um, and and hosting a panel at an event, and there was someone there that um, 
someone I didn't know and asked, you know, we had some feedback and the feedback was, you know, you're a leader. You shouldn't be so vulnerable. Oh, my God. I'd like to know that person's uh, definition of leadership, because to me, that is leadership. Wow. How sad. I feel compassion for that person. That's very sad. Well, the thing is, this person is someone, the reason I wanted their feedback is that they Mm. are the absolute opposite, Mm. absolute opposite. So like they are not a story person. Mm -hmm. You know, the the energy is very middle of the road, not masculine, Mm -hmm. nor feminine. It's, and for me, I'm, I'm constantly seeking feedback, but I don't seek it from people like me. I seek it from people that are different because if I can get their feedback, I can like, how can I, if this is what they're seeing, how can I connect more? Yes. And you just hit the word to me, the leadership is connection. And to me, in order to connect, we have to be vulnerable because we can't build trust without it. There's been, especially after the past few years in the world, people's sense of safety, security, and connection has changed within themselves, within what they thought was working in their lives and with where they trust to go forward. So I understand a lot of people don't have an easy time with vulnerability. So they mistake that for weakness rather than leadership, where I feel like if someone can own their themselves and be themselves in a room full of people who are not like them, they're no greater leaders because you will not be blown by the wind or waiting for the opinion of someone else for the approval to know if you can continue speaking. And to me, leadership is, as you said, for me, it's all self-leadership. Like as someone we both know says often, every problem is a leadership problem, whether it's in your team, in your relationship. Like if we don't own our own side of the street, we have no right to peek on anyone else's and judge it or even give feedback. So um, I think a lot of times bold bold people who are comfortable with their own vulnerability scare the hell out of most people because it's we move the chess pieces on a board people are scared to move on. And I'm not asking everyone to be like us, but um, we need other types of people in the world, of course. And I'm not saying our way is right and their way is wrong at all. But in order for us to free ourselves to have more open communication, more real impact, more service of others, more connection with each other in a real way, especially in a mental health crisis worldwide right now, where like pretending isn't helping anybody. If I can show you my stuff, you can show someone else your stuff is how I look at it. So sometimes I feel like I'm even more vulnerable than I need to be because I'm comfortable there. And I know it allows other people to go holy crap, if she can do that in front of 600 people, what can I do with my partner? What can I do with my boss? How can I speak to my friends? Am I allowed? Am I allowed out of this my own cage to be who I want to be or, or show my pain or show my excitement or my passion for life or ask a different question in a room? How do we not? Mo- that's where we model for each other, not for you to copy me or you, but to say, if that's possible, where's my range? And that everyone's range will not be ours. We already know that. Yeah. And I think this is the other thing as well. So vulnerability, being vulnerable doesn't necessarily mean telling your whole story, telling the details. Of course not. You and I are perfect examples of that. There are people around us who probably think they know everything about us. You and I, since we know each other more intimately between ourselves as friends, as a former client, we know people don't even know the tip of the iceberg about our stuff because 
we also know when to share and what not to share and what still belongs to us that's sacred and not anyone's business. Absolutely. Like I said, the, 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 the thing I shared, there were no facts of the, of the story as well. Like no one knew what the story was. What they knew was how I felt, mm-hmm. the fact I needed support, how I accessed support, how that played out. They knew nothing about the situation, nothing about the specifics of the story. And I think this is this is the thing as well for, for a lot of us. And, and it, it is in the how we coach ourselves in the self-leadership, mm-hmm. in how we how we manage our state, whether it be in business or in personal relationships. We don't have to tell everyone everything. Nope. It doesn't help anyway. We get more lost. You know, there's that dance of not having any support and being a lone wolf in the world and then also sharing everything with everyone and asking everyone's opinions or feedback on everything. And you feel more confused because they're coming from their own fear and desire for safety. So their quote unquote love of you and wants for you have to do more with them than with you, even if they adore you. So they aren't linked and it gets messy because we take others people's wants for us as our own, even when they're not. And then that's when we feel broken more than when we're alone. It's a really interesting dance. So learning to figure out what you need and from who you need that. Many times I can feel much more vulnerable in a room of 600 people I don't know than I can with my three oldest friends who have been through every roller coaster of story with me because of who they think I am and have decided I'm allowed to be from their own needs for safety. Why do you keep changing? Why do you keep growing? And that freaks people out when you don't know me. It's like, game on. Let's dive in. Where are we going? Let's go on a ride. You, you said about knowing what you want. I think the most the most powerful thing and the most scary thing is not knowing what you want, not knowing what you need in those moments where you need yes. the most support. Because we feel like we need to have the answers. And sometimes of course. I remember you. And there, our answer can be one. Yes. On one day, 10 minutes later, it could be absolutely not from that person on this topic in this moment. Yeah. I remember you saying to me once um, I was going through something and you saying to me, the fact that you don't know what you need is the answer. Yes. Absolutely. We don't rest in that. We don't look. We look for clues that we think are the answers instead of reading the clues for what they are uncomfortably. I hate it too, but slowing down to feel what it is, not rushing through, not spiritually bypassing, not hustling through because I'm used to being able to be whoever I want to be. I had a crappy day. I didn't sleep. I had a fight with my partner and look how I show up at work. Great. Do you want a reward? You're going to burn out. I can smell your burnout from here. So like how, like how many gold stars do you want for this poor choice for yourself? Like that's okay when you don't know. For me, my transformation happened the first few years was an entire chapter of not this. I don't want this marriage. I don't want this life. I don't want this work. I don't want this image. I don't want this feeling. I just don't want this anything. That was my start. We don't know what we want. Great. Start there. There is certainty and uncertainty, isn't there? That's what we know the most. How do you know what you want? I don't want to feel like this every goddamn day of my life. Do you know that clearly? Yes. Great. It's your first certain moment in your life. Didn't have to ask anyone's opinion. Do I want this? No. That's when we know no one else lives my life. No one knows what this feels like. Exactly. So why would we go ask everyone else's opinion about what we should do next then? Earlier this year, I made a a, a decision to, I mean, I've planned my year for years. 
and I'd reached this point in my life where everything had just finally come together and and I was sitting in a massive even though everything come together I was sitting in a in a massive space of unknown of course and um it was like how the hell do you plan your year when you don't know and so my plan was to not plan I'm not going to you know how happy this makes me you know how happy this makes me I mean I was like right the first three months I'm not going to have a plan I can make a plan for the first of April and go from there well the first of April came and I went do you know what still no sitting (laughs) and enjoying and just embracing and it is a and honestly that there's a lot of things that could be better 100 percent but I cannot think of a time where I was happier, more complete. Like it is sitting in uncertainty. If you can get comfortable with that, it's, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. So the way I, the, because uncertainty as a word frightens people who haven't sat in it yet, I just call it space making. We can't change anything until we have space, bandwidth and perspective. So the reason why many people's plans, I'm not a planner, so I, cruelly giggled when the pandemic hit and everyone had their perfectly planned things and their quarters and their metrics and their projections. I'm like, oh, really? Can you now all acknowledge this? This doesn't always work the way you want it to. Our plans come from a part of our brain that has already seen what's going to happen, which means to me, you're already planning too small because you're working from an operational part of yourself that has created those results. How can you create new results with an old operating system? I'm not saying you need to transform every time, but when there's space, you can see the difference. When you have space from a bad relationship, you can understand the ingredients you would want in a good relationship. When you have space from an exhausting client, you damn well right away know what you're never going to tolerate again. When you don't have space, you repeat the same things over, some good, some bad, but there's no room for any diagnostics. So the uncertainty comes from just making space. Your year has been filled with space and look what synchronicities and magic and miracles and fun have come in with the structure, of course, of what you already know. You didn't strip that back. You know what to do when the good things come in, but you don't need to go chase after them because they'd probably be going to the right when you were meant to go to the left. And the thing is, all of that, it's, it leads to an enriched life. Yes, it does. It, it's a, but you, we have to, we have to go through this chaos to get there. That's on, on repeat. I wish I could tell everyone you go through one chaos and then you get your key to the next video game level. You don't. You get accustomed to chaos and then you see it as a clue. Ooh, another growth level's coming. I'm unbuckling and going on the ride. I have my self leadership. I know how to ground myself. I know how to manage my state. I know who to lean on support from, and I know how to read my own clues. And that right there is the only toolbox that's required because anything else will chase you back to places you don't want to go, but you're you know running to grab the wall in a game of tag, which isn't your wall anymore. It's just all you know how to go back to. Grounding yourself is an interesting point. Ugh. It's a tough one for me, but I know it's important. I literally, um, like I say, last Sunday when I lost my temper. I'm very sad I missed last Sunday. When I, <laughs> <laughs> I really had to listen. I really had to be quiet and listen to figure out how to ground myself, how to come back to base. It wasn't just yeah. about managing state. It was like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm now in this, this sitting in this other persona. How do I get? How do I get back to Christina? Home. How do I get home? Yes. 
You drop into your body. This is the heart. I struggle with this. I'm very cerebral. I'm very creative. I am a storyteller, which means I can create disasters like nobody else can in my mind. And my body is where the, the groundedness and wholeness lives. Our nervous systems are need to be regulated. Our, our, a friend of mine who is, a, is an amazing healer says your psychology follows your neurology. If your body is off and running, you can't mindset your way through it. You cannot use your lovely little thinking tools to get your body back to safety. So how do we not pay attention to our bodies first in those moments? Because the body is what's freaking out, whether it's old memories, old trauma, the wind blew to the left, whatever it is. If we get back to our bodies, our brains follow. And I forget this almost daily. And it's the only thing that works. I've got a lot of autoimmune stuff since I'm little because my brain leaves me and I leave my body out. So the only way our bodies know how to get our attention is with pain, with illness, with confusion, with we start tripping. How many times have you been like stressed at work and your fine motor skills are off? Your pen drops. You can't remember stuff like this is our body's system saying come back inside and I'll take you where you need to go. But you're running without a body. There's a floating balloon and it's not helpful. It is, it is crazy. I mean, it, it's, you know, there's things I do to manage my state, listen to yeah. music, uh, heart breathing, uh, you know, stuff like go for a walk, yeah. you know. And I, in that moment, I was like, none of that's going to work. I need, mm-hmm. I don't need music. I need silence. Exactly. Yeah. Generally, as it's, Generally, easy clues, it's the opposite of what you think you need. I'm going to speed up, then slow down. I need to walk, settle down and curl yourself up under a blanket. It's when that frenetic spin comes, it's like that kid with sensory issues who's banging up against the wall because they can't feel anything. That's what's happening. And the thing is, when you've got control over all this stuff, yeah, you can just draw a line under it. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can literally go one, one second to it, right, yeah, I'm done now. And again, it's that letting go of the story. How long do I need to drive myself nuts till I'm allowed to put this down? It can be instantaneous, but you have to not build a new story about it. Exhausting. The thing is, people people that don't have this learning, they think something they think something even worse is wrong with us. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I love this world. I, like I said, we're still relatively new to it, and I've I've probably done. I'd say five years of learning in the last 12 months and there's so much learning the last six months even it it, it is just fascinating it is amazing it absolutely amazing and this work allows our brilliance to be easier held in the world because many of us creatives go off of the high of I had a new idea or I ran with it or I woke up in the middle of the night with an idea for my client and we don't honor or respect what we need in that process our creativity doesn't actually have the right container to be as deep as it can be, as connected as it can be, because we run from win to win to win to win and call that a great business. Well, it looks successful. We've got a great team. Everyone loves our work and we feel empty inside because it's all external. When we become more rich in our internal world and are intrinsically led, all of that beautiful stuff we put out in the world has a better casing to it. So it's not just managed. I don't want to manage it. It's, it's honed in a way that can actually do more and be more. And do you feel that when people have got that, that's when their purpose really comes alive? Do you, do you? A thousand percent. Because the ego goes away in terms of who I need to be in order to be accepted, what I need to do, 
the metrics change, let's just say? It's weird. My purpose has become way more touchy-feely, emotional rather than the kind of- I'm going to cry. You don't know. I mean, for those listening, I adore this woman so much and watching this transformation and now hearing this is so magical because I know you more intimately from a few months ago before this has happened. So I can- I can just see it in the way you're holding your body. Just your energy is so different in how you are in yourself. It's beautiful to watch. Do you know people make jokes about the old Christina? I loved her. Don't get me wrong. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> I loved her. But that's because you didn't find me scary. Everyone else found me. You, I know you're like, well, you were waiting for me to find you. I'm like, this isn't scary because I saw you. That was it. You're not scary. Yeah. You also needed no protection from me. So I didn't get that version of you. Yeah, this is true. This this is true. I think this is the thing. When you find a, you know, you realize you need a coach. Yeah. So you go hunting for a coach. Mm-hmm. No, nobody knows what to look for. Of course not. Until they've had a couple and then they've gone, okay, it's <laughs> that. I don't want this. Not that. that. Not that. Yes. So, so what, what is it? you know how someone's coming to you a friend a girlfriend is saying to you oh, I think I really need to I think I'm going to look for a coach. we're too close Shari so it can't be you what do they look for this is a hard one because it comes down to readiness and I think that we have to honor the fact that not everyone is ready for the rawness like I know I'm not for everyone because I don't go in delicately like I, I'm not waiting until So I won't, I will sit in someone's foxhole, but I won't allow them to sit where they're at. We'll move. So the question really becomes is before you, it's the who is what am I ready for? Who am I ready to be? And then what do I need to help me get there? Because no one is broken. No one doesn't have the tools, but it's like, what blind spot can I not see? Is it, I'm going through this myself. I'm, if I pat myself on the back publicly, I'm a pretty damn good coach. I help people in a way most people can't. I'm extremely out of the box and I can't coach myself. And so I, who I go to is the answer of, I don't need the external stuff. As I said, it's the internal, it's the healing. So I have more bandwidth. It's the facing the reasons why I'm so scrappy and use my masculine. It's the, how can I rest and not need to be on all the time? That has nothing to do with my skill. So we need to look at a marketer wants to go to a marketer to get better at marketing. That's not what you need. You've got to look in the pockets of space you refuse to look at, at your readiness level. So If it's the peace and silence you avoid, that's where you start because your greatest growth point is in the buckets you're not willing to go to on your own. And there there are the mentors that will probably scare the shit out of you, but also be your best learning. The reason we have those not them moments with the wrong mentors is because we're going to be saved by someone or we're trying to grab their hacks for our life. And listen, we've all done it. I sometimes do think it's part of the process because you have to find out what you need before by knowing what you don't need of like, but I know all this already and it's not helping me grow. Great. Get out of the room. Some of my most biggest mistakes were my most expensive investments in people in partners in collaborations in how the hell did I land in this room? And what am I doing in here? You learn by doing and undoing really. I had a, oh, thinking how to say this. Um, yeah. You invest in mentorship, in coaching, that kind of, so you find some and you find someone and you're like, and you've everything, everything just, it's like tick, tick, yep. tick. And then what happens sometimes 
is you realize that those ticks weren't, you know, you were quick. to make They were in your ticks, yes. You know, and, and all of a sudden you kind of go, actually, this isn't in alignment. This is not, these those values that I thought you held are, you have other, you have those values, but you have other values that are way more important that I didn't see before. And now I see them and I can't unsee them. Right. And it can be very difficult. It's also very soul crushing because what's interesting when that happens is we very rarely take it out on the mentor or the coach. We take it out on ourselves because like, how did I not see that? How did I choose that? How did I land here? And it's, it's a learning. It's not their fault or your fault. It's look at what you were drawn in by what looked exciting and shiny to you. What you were you trying to escape is the real question. What were you trying to bypass? Yeah. And and I, I feel, you know, that there's a specific situation that's in mind. Um, and I got exactly what I needed during that time. Always, always, you know, and I, and I'd kind of, the, the thing that I needed, I got, and all this stuff came through afterwards. And so it's, and I think there is a, um, that there was a level of, um, I'm not going to call it growth. I'm going to call it transformation. There there was a, there was an element of change in, in me, in my life. And that's what I needed them there for. That's, I didn't go into the relationship with that intention, but that was, that was what the subconscious was calling for. And that's what happened. And like you said, you chose it for a reason and the reason showed itself not in what you expected, but but for the right reason. But I think this is the thing you start this relationship and you elevate. And in a lot of coaching, a lot of mentorship relationships, you would hope that you would both elevate at a similar rate so that relationship can maintain long term. Sometimes that would be nice. Happen. You elevate. It mostly they doesn't stay where they are, and it's like yeah, it mostly doesn't happen. Unfortunately, there's a lot of work to be done in this industry on the vanity and ego side of what mentors are and what we can. Those are not clean containers to me. So um, you know, there's a lot of very fast moving, fast paced, more mass market kind of marketing and quote unquote leadership and development, and it isn't at the depth which the industry should be standardized in the people don't hold as sacred those containers they hold with people you can tell from my tone of voice i have a lot of opinions about this um <laughs> I, I think all, we have to be careful because i don't want to edit anything out yeah and it's you know what it's a knowing and it's a learning and we all learn what we need to learn and we again choose the crowds we want to be in and that that's how we decide where we want to be and this is where my maverick piece comes in sometimes you're in a crowd and sometimes you're by yourself and that's okay i can speak for myself which is the only thing i can speak to especially publicly um but I know for my own integrity, could I have scaled my business much further? Should Could I have been in much different rooms? Could I have gotten a place where someone else would deem it much more successful than I've been? Absolutely. But me putting my head down on my pillow, knowing I am who I promised myself I would be is far more important. And that's my choice. And everyone has to make those choices for themselves. And many people make different choices than that. Um. Just to wrap that conversation up, because it's something that I, I think is really important and I know you'll have an opinion on it. I think when you're working with a coach, like I said, you, you get to that point where you've had the growth that you've had that growth, you've had that transformation, or the, the change, whatever it may be. Um, there are coaches, there are mentors that I can't imagine them ever not being in my life, but there are also the ones that I've absolutely loved and gotten to a point and it's just time to move on. And it feels like a fucking breakup. 
Oh, it's a terrible morning. I struggle with this as the mentor. I mourn the loss to get that close, intimate, in pain and vulnerability and excitement and dreams, and then they're gone. I struggle with this tremendously. It feels like a massive loss, especially when you finally have people who see you or you get the honor of seeing other people. People don't talk about this. On to the next. Uh, no, don't want, don't want to do that. And yet I've had clients who've been with me for years who I have to release because I know that they are now in too safe a zone with me. I need for their own growth to release them. And that's hard too. Yeah. I, I, so there's one guy in particular. And I remember just sitting there feeling like, but no, just please, just please let me keep giving you money so that we can just keep hanging yeah. out, you know? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. what am I like? This is this is not it. This is not how it's no. supposed to be. And and we still meet up and we go and have coffee and all that kind of thing. And that's the know? thing is disconnect from the needs into a different relationship. Like I have that with a lot of my clients. Like, oh, you're friends with all your clients. I'm like, first of all, I'm definitely not friends with all of my clients. <laughs> you don't know all of my clients. I love you all different ways. Um, but how can you keep the relationships clean to not create codependency, to not create, I'm going to hide here. I'm going to turn you into the gym membership I never use. It's a very slippery slope. It happens very quickly. Yeah. Codependency is the, I think the biggest risk in all of this. That's, that's the danger zone. So what is codependency and what isn't it? What, what does it look like? What doesn't it look like? When you know, it's a very interesting question because at the start of the relationship with uh, the right mentor or coach, clients say this to me all the time. I use your voice. It's like, what would Shari do in this moment? I use your voice to help me distinguish, identify, understand, release all of that. And then the goal as the mentor is to turn my voice in their mind into their own voices. That's where the switch happens. So at the start of it, it's the right tool. And further on, it's the wrong tool. When someone needs you in order to think, there's a problem. When you feel so reliant on someone that you don't feel whole until you have their witness, their validation, their opinion, no matter how valued and important they are, and that, like we said, can stay forever, it's that self-governing. How am I bringing this home to myself? And at what point do I, am I using someone else's opinion before I use my own? amazing shari thank you so much so so much i'm just we've packed so much into this conversation i'm i'm just i I, you know i love talking to you anyway we always cover so much it's amazing so valuable um where are we going to direct people to to get in touch with you uh easiest place is instagram so shari teagman on instagram um please say hello i love meeting new people i think we can all learn from each other one another thing that drives me crazy about the industry is no one knows more than anyone else like we can all learn from each other so if you've listened to this and you want to say hi you want to tell me something you thought about from this conversation something you agree with something you disagree with an aha moment just message me introduce yourself let me know you heard me on this with amazing conversation with Christina and, you know, let's just connect and all be around each other for more growth and awareness.